Well, boys and girls, that was just great. Why don't you do something for me? Ready? Follow me. Come on. Come on. That's good. That's a pat on the back for all the good work you did today. Absolutely brilliant. Really good. Thank you so much um, for singing so well, speaking so well, and just looking so well. Really good. So we really have enjoyed it so much, and I hope you're going to enjoy the next wee bit just as much as you've enjoyed what has happened before. I'm going to sit down again, because the that is don't need to see me. Um, you need to see me. And uh, I need a bit of help tonight. I'm just wondering now. What do I see? Hold on a wee minute now. Let me see. Is Len here? Where's Len? Oh, yes, he is. Is David here? David Keyes? Yes, he is. Philip Haddon's here. We know he is. And I saw, I did see Harold earlier on. Where's Harold? Oh, yes, right. They all sit, you know, they tell us to sit near the front and then they sit near the back. So they do. Well, boys and girls, I want you really to help me tonight because I'm going to tell you a story about a man in the Bible. And I need you to choose, okay? (laughs) I need you to choose because the first thing we're told about this man in the Bible is that he was young. Okay. Now, you have to choose between Philip, Harold, David Keyes, and Len Keyes. Who are we going to give young to? Okay. Come on. Who do you think? Well... Len. <laughs> Who? He's the youngest king's brother. Len. Up here. <laughs> this should be a compliment for you, brother. So we'll make him stand up the front, okay? We read in Matthew chapter 19 that the, the, the person who came to Jesus will stand up there so that everybody can see you, Len. That's cool. Great. <laughs> I'm getting my own back now. Okay. Um, We're told in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 10 that the boy, the person that came to Jesus was a young man. Now, the second thing, he was rich. (laughs) So you've got Harold and David Keyes and Philip Haddon. Well, Noah, Philip Haddon. That's right. Come on, Philip. These farmers, they've got money under the bed, you know, so they have. All right. Okay. Great. Okay, now we've got two left. The third thing they're told about this is that he was a ruler. So he was very powerful and influential. You can pick between David Keyes and Harold. Well, Jaden. David Keyes. Out you come, David. And he's a quiet man, David, you know, but he is powerful. He writes uh, the weekly bulletin and all, so he has got a lot of influence, so he has. All right, David, that's great. So, just got one left, and this man was very religious. So, Harold, (laughs) whether you like it or not, you're the religious one. We'll have to ask your dear wife about that. There we are. 
So, boys and girls, in a sense, this guy had everything. He had everything. He was young. Some of us wish we were young again. I'm still, my, my legs are, well, no, my head's still 18. I'm still 18 up here, but my legs don't get the message anymore. And when I'm trying to get out of bed in the morning, my back doesn't get the message either. Some of us wish we were young again, that we had a bit of energy and youth and so forth. And so this, this was a young man. He had his life before him. Sometimes people say, well, he had the world at his feet because everything else was good as well. Because as well as being young, he was rich. He had plenty of money. And you know, if you go out uh, into Ballygolly today and you talk to people and you say, what would make you happier? I guarantee you, I guarantee a lot of people would say, well, if I had a wee bit more money, I'd be happier. Well, this man had everything he needed. He had probably a big bank balance. I don't know if he were living today, be driving a nice big swanky car. I don't know what they did in those days, how they, they traveled and so forth. But he had all the money he needed. So he was young. He had his life in front of him. Okay, He had plenty of money. But not only that, he was a ruler amongst his people. In other words, he was a man with, with power, with influence. And we have it here. A powerful man who could influence the way people thought, who could actually say, I want this done, and it was done. Or I want that done, and somebody did it. So all of these things were absolutely brilliant. Everything. We would say again, he had the ball at his feet. Really, the world was his oyster, we would say. The world was his to take because he was young, he was rich, and he was very powerful. And then, boys and girls, to cap it all, he was a very religious man. He was a very religious man because he came to Jesus, and Jesus said something to him. He came asking a question. We'll talk about the question in a minute. But he came asking a question, and Jesus told him something. He said, you've got to keep the law of God. And this young, powerful, rich man turned to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, well, you know, I have kept God's law all of my life. Since I was a wee boy, I've kept the law of God. Now, sometimes we claim to be good, and sometimes we claim to be obedient and so forth, and we're not really. And that's called being hypocritical, saying one thing but being another. Now, this young man, when he said this to Jesus, he was absolutely sincere. And Jesus knew he was sincere. Do you know how we know that? Because one of the gospel writers tells us that Jesus looked at this young man and loved him. Jesus looked at this young man and loved him. Now, sometimes the scribes and the Pharisees in the New Testament, they were hypocrites. You know, they used to stand praying in the streets so that everybody would see them, you know, and say, oh, what a wonderfully religious person that is. Or they would go to the temple, and instead of putting their money quiet in the box, they would get their money and they would throw it into the box in a big, with a big fashion so that everybody could see how, how generous they were. And Jesus condemned that. He said, that's just hypocrisy. Those people just want to look good in the eyes of men. And so Jesus was he was cross. The only time Jesus ever got cross was with people who were hypocrites, who said one thing and who did another. 
But this young man was no hypocrite because the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. So he was young, he was rich, he was powerful, and we would say he was very good living. He was very good living. He was very religious. He had everything, boys and girls, everything that he needed. If you had looked at him or if I had looked at him, would have said, that's a success. That man's a success. He's the best you can be. He has everything. But he didn't think so. You know why he came to Jesus? Because although he was young, and though he was rich, and though he was powerful, and though he had done his best from he was very young to be good and religious and obedient to God, there was something missing. There was something missing. And the question he asked Jesus was this. What good thing do I do? What do I have to do to get to heaven? What do I have to do to get to heaven? Now listen. He had everything he wanted on this earth. Everything he wanted and needed on this earth. But he knew that his future was not so certain. He wasn't sure of heaven. And with all the good things he had on this earth, and even his religion poured in, he still wasn't sure of heaven. And he wanted to be sure. And he believed that Jesus could give him the answer. Now, boys and girls, this is a wee bit complicated, so you have to listen very carefully. Because Jesus said something to this young man, which was directed particularly at his heart. You see, here was a young man, and he claimed from he was a boy to have kept all of God's laws. He hadn't stolen, and he hadn't been covetous, and he hadn't killed anybody, and so forth. You're down the list. And Jesus was going to show him something very, very important. So he said to this young man, one thing's missing. Go and sell all you have. And give your money and your riches to the poor and come and follow me. And here's what the Bible says. Listen carefully. It says the young man went away very sad because he was very rich. Now listen again. He went away very sad because he was very rich. Now, again, if you go to Ballygolly, or down to Clocker, or into Duncanon, where I live, and ask people, you know, if you were very rich, do you think I would make you happy? Oh, yes. They think very rich equals very happy. That's what they think. Very rich equals very happy. This young man went away very sad because he was very rich. Do you know why he went away sad? See, Jesus was pointing out that his first love, oh yes, he wanted heaven. He wanted to be sure of heaven. We could say he wanted Jesus. But you know something? He wanted Jesus after his money. He wanted his money first. His money was his first love. We would say, actually, boys and girls, that his money was his God. That was a thing that he loved most. 
And so you see, he wasn't prepared to give up his money. He wasn't prepared to give up this first love so that he could have heaven as his home. And so he went away very sad because he was very rich. Now, we'll let these men sit down. We'll give them a wee rest. Thank you very much, men. Young, rich, powerful, and religious. I have a wee bit more to tell you. There are some stories in the, in the Bible, and Andrew's going to put that up so that you can read it. Uh, the kingdom of heaven, it says, is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. A wee short parable. And then there's a second one. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a merchant searching for fine pearls. And when he finds one that's better than all the rest, he goes and sells all he has and he buys that now, Jesus told these wee stories in order to illustrate something. You see, here was a man, and he was digging in a field one day. And he found some treasure in the field. Boy, is it dear. Maybe it was Philip Haddon out in his fields. I don't know. Might have been. Anyway, he found treasure in the field. And he thought to himself, my, my, my. If only I owned that field, I could have that treasure. And you know what he did? He went away and he sold all that he had. And he came and he bought the field because the treasure was in it. It was worth more than all the other things that he had. And so he wanted it best of all. The same with the pearl of great price. This pearl merchant. You know, I, I, sometimes uh, uh, you see these people have got these special scopes, you know. Uh, you know, if you go into the jewelers or something and you give them their watch or you give them a ring or something and they put it, uh, look at this scope through the scope and they can tell you if it's really genuine, if it's, if it's um, valuable, if it's worth a lot of money and whatever. Well, this man was an expert. And he spotted a pearl one day, a beautiful, beautiful pearl. And he thought, my, if I could have that pearl, that would be the greatest treasure I could have. And so he went and he sold everything he had. And he came and he bought the pearl. Now, what was Jesus teaching, boys and girls? What do you think the lesson was that Jesus was teaching? Well, he was teaching us this that there is a treasure that is far, far more valuable than anything you can get in this world. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what it is. There's a man in the Old Testament, there's a man in the Old Testament called Solomon, and Solomon had everything. He had gold and silver. He had more money. He had more luxuries. He had more land. He had more territory. He had more animals than anybody else that ever lived. In fact, there was a queen from another country came and, and she spent days admiring all the stuff that he had. And you know what he said at the end of the day? All the things that he had built and all the places that he had bought and all the animals that he owned and the servants that he had and all the rest. You know what he said? He said, it's all in vain. It's like chasing the wind. That's what he said. It's empty. It's empty. 
He said, because I gather all of this stuff up. I've got all of this stuff. And when I die, you know what's going to happen? Some fool's going to get it, and they'll waste it. No good to me, because I can't take it with me. So there are things that are more precious, boys and girls, than the things of this world. And that's what Jesus is teaching. There's a treasure. There's a treasure that is worth giving up everything else for in order to have it. And you know what that treasure is? It's a treasure of having your sins forgiven and knowing that one day you will go to heaven to be with Jesus. That's the treasure that Jesus wants you to have. Now, there's another little verse that I want you to see, and it's got a whole lot of question marks around it because it's asking really serious questions. Here's the question or the questions. What do you benefit What benefit is it to you? Or what do you gain if you get the whole world and lose your own soul? What benefit? Is anything worth more than your soul? And the Bible says no. Let me tell you a story. Way back in the ancient past, in lands like Egypt and China. They used to have very elaborate ways of burying their dead. When somebody died, oh, they had special ceremonies and rites, and they would, they would, they would bury them in special chambers, even in the pyramids. Some of you have maybe been watching on television seeing the pyramids recently, and the tombs down there, and, 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 and the, the bodies that are down there. So, and some of these people... What they did, they believed that to cross from this life to the next life, you had to go across a kind of a river. And so what they did was they put a coin in the mouth of the dead person. So the dead body would be in the coffin, and they would put a coin. And the coin was meant to be the fare, to pay the fare from this world to the next world. Now, we know it's a very strange thing, but that's what they believed. And so they put the coin in. Years later, boys and girls, many hundreds of years later, archaeologists came along. You know what archaeologists are? People that dig up uh, uh, the stone and dig up uh, all of these things, history in the ground and so forth. Well, archaeologists came along and they found these tombs and they found some of these coffins in which the bodies were. When they opened the coffins up, what did they discover? They discovered bones and dust and the coin was still there. Why? Because you can't take anything from this world into the next world. That's why Jesus said, look, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Boys and girls, Jesus wants you to know the treasure of his eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How many of you gave gifts to your daddies today? Eh? How many of you gave gifts to daddy? Did daddy pay you for the gifts? No. Did he? No. Of course not. Of course not. If it's a gift, when you get your Christmas gifts, you don't pay for them. Their gifts are free. Well, God offers boys and girls, mums and dads, grannies and granddads, a precious, precious gift. 
more precious than anything else in the world, the gift of eternal life. And boys and girls, we must reach out with His help and by His grace and accept that gift, accept Jesus into our hearts, trust Him, make Him first in our lives, and then we'll have treasure in heaven. God bless you. Thank you for listening. You've listened so well today, both this morning and again this evening. Thank you for all that you've done for us and sung to us and said to us. And I pray that God will really bless each of your young lives and that you'll come to know this treasure who is the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now we're going to sing our closing hymn again. It's Speak, O Lord. So we'll stand and we'll sing our closing hymn. And then I think Philip's going to come and pray for us.